Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Morning, and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes, and for the next few moments, please stay with me. It's going to be a time of motivation, inspiration, education, and it will be done with no manipulation. And that simply means we don't try to con people. We don't have any gimmicks, no games. We're not here to raise money. We're not here to sell you anything. We're not here to promise you anything. This show is simply about accurate information. Information that will help you verify and possibly identify the plan of God for your life. And if you can do that, then you have the freedom and the privacy always to orient and adjust to the plan. It's your life, your decisions, you live it. No one else can live it for you. But my job is to give you some accurate information, not human speculation, but accurate information that comes from the Scriptures, the Bible, the Word of God. And that's what this show is always about. The Flatline is a show that deals with a military analogy, taking a term called the Forward Line of Troops, F-L-O-T, FLOT, and using that as an analogy for the Christian life. And what we do on this show is we explain how you can establish a forward line of troops in your soul. And this is uh, an analogy that we're talking about here. This is a, a protective force inside of your soul by learning 10 unique problem-solving devices. And when you learn them and when you use them, then you will be able to stop the outside source of adversity before it becomes the inside source of stress. Because adversity is always inevitable in the devil's world, but stress is always optional in the Christian's life. It's really up to us. And so if we learn how to use the problem-solving devices and we deploy those things and use them in our soul, then we can actually live without bitterness, out, without fear, without hatred, without implacability, it's a wonderful way to live, and in effect, it's called the Christian life. Now, if you've listened to me before, you know what I'm about. And for the last few weeks, I've been dealing with a subject that has been very interesting to me. It seems and appears that I haven't been able to get away from it, but I think today will be the last part of this that we will deal with. It seems that uh, as we deal with legalism, as we deal with ritual without reality, as we deal with religion, especially here at this time of Christmas that's coming up, I want to talk about something today. The subject is, an inch is as good as a mile. An inch is, is as good as a mile. In other words, if you are involved in a contest and you lose by an inch, you might as well lose by a mile because you've lost. And so in regards <clears throat> to... Excuse me, in regards to God's plan, a miss by an inch is as good as a miss by a mile. Let me take you to Matthew seven twenty one through verse twenty three and listen to the words of our Lord as he gives these words. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but and that's a conjunction of contrast. In the Greek New Testament, but is a contrast. Now we're going to talk about the ones that do get into heaven. 
Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. So if you want to go to heaven, the only way to do it is to do the will of the Father. Did you hear what he said? He that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. And then he's going to go on and explain the next step. Many will say to me in that day, Matthew 7.22, that day is a reference to the great white throne of judgment. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And in your name have we not cast out devils? And in your name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that worked iniquity. It is possible, and these are the principles that I want to bring to you today. It is possible that not everyone who claims to be a Christian is in fact a Christian. And secondly, the only way to have access to the eternal kingdom of God is to fulfill the will of God. So let's go back to what Jesus said. Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. I want you to think about this today because I don't want you to miss it by an inch. I want you to be clear. I want you to have a solid, firm, sound conviction. Is it possible? In fact, people often ask me, can you actually know for sure that you're going to heaven? And the answer is absolutely yes. The Bible says these things are written so that you might know that you have eternal life. He that has the Son has life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. So if this verse says the only way to go to heaven is to know the will of the Father or to do the will of the Father, let me read it again. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of the Father, which is in heaven. What exactly is the will of the Father? That's up for speculation, it appears. But not according to the Bible. In John 6:40, these words are found. This is the will of him who sent me. I mean, it's pretty clear, isn't it? This is the will of the one that sent me. This is Jesus. That everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So there is a guarantee of eternal life and a guarantee of a resurrection body from the very lips of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, if we fulfill the will of the one that sent him. And that is if we believe that Jesus is the Messiah. If we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. That is the will of God. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And, and a lot of people say, yes, I believe that. I believe that, they say. But the question is, do you believe it in faith alone, in Christ alone, or do you add something to it? Listen to 1 John 5, 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. It could not be any simpler than that. 
Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him who begot also loves the one who is begotten of him. So if you love God, you're going to love his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that these verses do not indicate that God recruits anyone on the basis of good works. It's football season, and football players may be recruited by colleges or by professional teams, but God does not recruit based on ability. He's not recruiting a team of Christians based on ability. In other words, he's not saying, hey, I want you, you're good, you don't smoke. I want you, you're good, you don't drink. I want you, you're good, you don't say bad words. So I'm going to put you on my team. That doesn't work. You can go through life and never do the bad things and still die and go to the lake of fire. You say, but I believe in Jesus Christ. If you believe in Jesus Christ, the anointed Son of God, that salvation, as long as it's faith alone in Christ alone, and not faith plus your baptism, or faith plus your works, or faith plus giving up chewing tobacco, or faith plus never eating any more M&Ms. Someone told me the other day, and I remember this vividly, I must be living right for God to bless me like he did. Well, I'm sure God wants all of us to live right. And I'm sure that God does bless us when we live right. Yes, he does. But he doesn't bargain with us. And this person says that he felt entitled or favored by God because of their good lifestyle. Entitled or favored by God because of his good lifestyle. No one, no one is entitled to eternal life because of a good lifestyle. And no one <clears throat> is favored by God because he's sweeter or nicer than the other person. You see, this is where the legalist misses the point. The person who is a legalist is the person who believes that he is going to heaven as a result of his good works and that his good works, his lifestyle, his deeds have qualified him to inherit eternal life. And they do not. They do not. In Romans 3.23, the Bible clearly says, all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. So where is my redemption? It's in Jesus Christ. It's not in myself. I'm, I can't justify myself and get to heaven. I can't justify myself and say, well, I'm redeemed now since I don't do bad things. Listen to Romans 5.1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he, that's God, has made him, that's Jesus Christ, the one who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God by means of him. So these verses indicate a sobering fact. The fact is that God is not impressed 
with our good deeds. God is not impressed with the fact that you tithe. I'm sure that he wants you to give to your church. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that he's not impressed that you tithe. If you think that tithing is going to get you to heaven, then you have missed the boat by an inch or by a mile. You're not going to go to heaven because you give money. You're not going to go to heaven because you sing in the choir. You're not going to go to heaven for any other reason that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah 64, 6 nails it down clearly. We are all like an unclean thing, and all of our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Now let's read this again. Our righteousnesses are like a filthy rag. There is nothing that you can do to impress God. Nothing. Do you want to know for sure you have eternal life? Then do not depend on laying filthy rags at God's feet. What is a filthy rag? It could be church membership. It could be some religious activity that you do in the community, good works, serving the community, helping the hungry, feeding the lost, etc. That's just a filthy rag in God's eyes. That doesn't buy you salvation. That doesn't earn you credit with God. No, we are all unclean things. Keep that in mind. The best things that we could do are filthy rags in God's eyes. In Romans 3, 10 through 18, the Bible says, As it is written, There are none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. And there is none who does good, no, not even one. So if you think God favors you because of your moral lifestyle, you're going to miss salvation. If you think you're going to go to heaven because you don't commit adultery, if you think you're going to go to heaven because you don't steal, if you think you're going to go to heaven because you don't curse or drink or smoke, if that's what you're depending on, you're going to miss it by a mile. That is not how you get to heaven. Let's look at the great white throne of judgment, and let's see what happens in the book of Revelation. In Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth's, the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books, now notice that's plural, the books were opened, and then another book, now notice that singular, was opened. That one is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things that were written in the books, plural, according to their works. The sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. 
and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Let me explain what's taking place here. If this were you, if you had not accepted Christ as your Savior by means of faith alone in Christ alone, if you have said, I believe in Christ and am baptized, I believe in Christ and I don't curse, I believe in Christ and I don't do the, I believe in Christ and I tithe, if you add any of your works, any of your good deeds to your faith, then your good deeds are going to cancel out your faith. You are depending on your good deeds to save you. You're not depending on the faith alone in Christ alone. You're depending on your works. You're saying, if I did fornicate, if I did steal, if I did get drunk, I wouldn't be saved. And so now you're getting saved by what you don't do, not by faith alone in Christ alone. And so here we have at the great white throne of judgment, people that we earlier read, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, here they are. They are now giving testimony about why they should be allowed to come to heaven. See, here's the way it's going to go down. The first thing that is open when an unbeliever stands before the Lord is his name in the book of life. Your name is put in the book of life when you're born. And if you die without having accepted Christ as your Savior, you've died the first death. The second death is you being thrown into the lake of fire. I read it to you. This is the second death. So the plain truth is you're either going to be born twice or you're going to die twice. Born the first time, physical birth. Born the second time, spiritual birth. Have you had a spiritual birth? Have you put your faith alone in Christ alone? And so here you are at the great white throne of judgment, and no, you didn't do that. You depended on your faith and your good deeds. And so your name is not in the Lamb's book of life. You have died the first death. Whose name is in the Lamb's book of life? Those who believed in Christ through faith alone. Remember, the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's a gift from God, not of works, lest anyone would brag about it. You're not saved because you did anything. You're saved because of what Christ did. And I'll show you that here in just one minute. And so now you stand there and you say, but what about this? And what about that? And what about this? And he will say, I never knew you. First of all, the book is opened. And your name is not in it. And then the books, all your production, all your works, all your good deeds, every dime you gave, every dollar you gave, every time you taught Sunday school, every time you did this, that, or the other, no good, no good, no good. Filthy rags, filthy rags, filthy rags. And then you have nothing left. You have tried to vindicate yourself. You tried to justify yourself by means of your good works. And you convinced yourself that faith alone in Christ alone was not enough. And so you had faith plus your baptism, faith plus your good works. 
and it didn't work. And you missed it by an inch or you missed it by a mile. You see, if it's not faith alone in Christ alone, then it's always associated with your ability to produce pleasing works for God. And you just can't do that. Do you know any ritual without reality is meaningless? Let me explain what I mean. You do take communion at your church, I bet you. What exactly do you do in communion? The Bible says in Luke twenty-two nineteen, he took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which was given for you. Do it in remembrance of me. Do it in remembrance of me. You're supposed to remember something when you take communion. You cannot remember someone you don't know. So when you eat that bread, when you drink that cup, what do you think? What do you remember? Or are you wondering when this is going to be over? Do you know that he was truly unique? He was undiminished deity, true humanity in one body forever. He was sinless. He was impeccable. He was virgin born. As the Bible says in Revelation nineteen sixteen. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There's so many things you can concentrate on when you put that small piece of bread into your mouth and remember who he is. Remember what he did. When you drink the cup, you remember how he justified us before God. You remember how his blood was shed for us. You remember how we were redeemed out of the slave market of sin. You remember how all of our sins were imputed to him on the cross. And without that, there is no salvation. Taking communion is not salvation. Baptism is not salvation. Avoiding certain sins is not salvation. No, salvation is faith alone. In Christ alone. You know, Paul cautions us, and you must remember this. He cautions us in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through verses 32. You should read that. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 32. He cautions us about taking communion out of fellowship. And this is not necessarily an unbeliever. This is a believer, a Christian who takes communion while he has known sin in his life. And Paul talks about how that leads to discipline. You know what that is? That's ritual without reality. And so we have Deacon Smith and Deacon Jones, and they both hate each other. One of them stole money from the other one in a business deal or shafted him or used his advantage at the bank to get more than the other guy. They hate each other, and there they are serving communion. There they are taking communion. There they are singing in the choir. And yet the hatred and the bitterness and the animosity is horrible. They are kidding themselves. They may in fact be Christians and they may in fact have eternal life, but they are going through ritual without reality. Here's the bottom line. The Bible says he that knew no sin was made sin for us so that we may be made the righteousness of God through him. Remember the Bible says God is looking for those who know him and understand him in Jeremiah. 
Maybe you don't understand God. God is perfect justice, and God is perfect righteousness. And what the righteousness of God rejects, the justice of God judges. And so if you come to God in your good works, and you try to identify yourself as a redeemable object based on what you have done, the justice of God will judge you because the righteousness of God will reject you. Remember the verse, there are none that are righteous, no, not even one. Remember that? How can you be as righteous as God? The Bible says he that knew no sin was made sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God through him. The only way you can have eternal life, the only way you can go to heaven and avoid the lake of fire is to have the same righteousness that God has. And the only way you can get it is through the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ on the cross. When he paid for your sin, he offered you his righteousness. And when you come to Christ through faith alone, in Christ alone, that righteousness is imputed to you. So that when God looks at you, he sees Christ. He sees that righteousness of Christ in you. Christ was the Lamb of God without spot, without blemish. It took away the sin of the world. And yet on the cross, he became sin. And that's the amazing thing about it. He offers us his righteousness. He took our sin. You can be made righteous in Christ, but no other way. No other way can you equal the righteousness of God. Any other way, and you will force the justice of God to judge you. There's no doubt that God loves you. That's why he sent his son. And there's no doubt that it's absolutely free. That's why it's a grace gift. There's also no doubt that religion will tell you that you can earn favor with God. Religion will tell you you can earn equity with God. Religion will tell you that God is recruiting you to be on his team. That's all a lie. That's religion. Those are the people that crucified Christ. The most religious, legalistic, apostate people in the world. They hated him because of who he was and because of what he did. They hated him. And Jesus said, if they hate me, they're going to hate you. When you stand for faith alone in Christ alone, if you make an issue out of the things that I'm telling you today, they'll run you out of the church. They'll hate you too because they won't stand for it. They don't like it. They want to believe that they've got something to do with going to heaven, and they don't. It was all done by Christ on the cross, and it's all given to you by faith when you receive him as your Savior. No other way can it be done than faith alone in Christ alone. Until next week, this is your host, Rick Hughes, saying thank you for listening to The Flotline. Thank you for listening to The Flotline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 
or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.